Hello everyone and welcome back to Infinity and Beyond Episode 2. We are finally back, hopefully to stay consistent this time. If this is your first time joining us, I'm your host Jackson Holmes and welcome. On today's episode, we have news. In our main segment, we talk about Avatar and the new films in that franchise coming out in the next few years. Along with that, we have a special review and a brand new Disney theory. We'll get back to the TV reviews soon, but I decided to put something new in that segment for this episode. So come with us as we go where very few have gone before, to infinity and beyond. for this episode. I wanted to let you know before I get started that we are changing up the segment a bit. It took way too long last episode to go through and talk about every division of the Walt Disney Company in everything that was going on. Granted, there has been large spaces between episodes, and I am attempting very soon to be better and more consistent with this podcast, but regardless, I am going to attempt on this show in the news segment to primarily focus on Parks and Cruise Line um, and their news for um, these episodes. If a particular division of the company has a whole lot of news in the time between episodes, I may diverge from just Parks and talk about that too, but for the most part, I'm going to be focusing on Parks news. Now, with that out of the way, let's talk about Disney Parks and Cruise Line news for the past few months. Since the last time we did news on the show, Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind has opened in Epcot and Walt Disney World. The attraction has been for the most part well received, but has been known to cause motion sickness for some guests, so be prepared if you're susceptible to that sort of thing. Disney previously announced they would be building a Brightline train station at Disney Springs, but now this endeavor seems to be cancelled, though there is still will be a stop at the Orlando Convention Center near Universal Studios Orlando. Bibbidi Boppity Boutique is set to reopen at the Magic Kingdom and Disneyland Park on August 25th after its near two-year closure from the pandemic. It's a cute experience, and I'm glad it's coming back. Along with the Bibbidi Boppity Boutique, Harmony Barbershop on Main Street USA is now reopened as of July 31st. Jesse's Trading Post, a new gift shop, is now open within Toy Story Land at Disney's Hollywood Studios, for shoppers who would want to know. The store now includes merchandise for Pixar's Lightyear. A car locator feature has been added to the My Disney Experience app to help you locate your car after a long day in the parks as well as Disney Springs, the water parks, and ESPN Wild World of Sports. The iconic Tower Terror billboard, featured not too far outside the entrance of Disney's Hollywood Studios, has been demolished. There has been no official word on why, but we can assume it was expensive to maintain and wasn't regularly paid much attention to. Construction continues on Journey of Water inspired by Moana at Epcot as part of their major refurbishment delayed by the pandemic. I am extremely excited for this experience. I think it will be absolutely gorgeous. Alongside Journey of Water construction, construction for Tron Light Cycle Run also continues. The attraction itself seems to be, for the most part, completed, with vehicle testing beginning and lighting completed. But the track for the Walt Disney World Railroad, the entryway, and the surrounding area are still under construction. We have no opening date, but are expecting to hear more details at this year's D23 Expo. 
In some of the most major news from Disney recently, a name and opening time frame has been announced for Splash Mountain's Princess and the Frog re-theme. It is set to open in late 2024 and shall be called Princess and the Frog, Tiana's Bayou Adventure. In the attraction, Anika Noni Rose will reprise her role as Princess Tiana, alongside Jennifer Lewis reprising her role as Mama Odie. I am very, very excited for this attraction. The Princess and the Frog is my absolute favorite Disney film and one of my favorite animated films I've ever seen, and I can only hope that they do it justice in this attraction. Okay, now for the most major news out of Disney parks and experiences recently, the Disney Wish is now sailing alongside the rest of the Disney Cruise Line fleet. It is a beautiful ship, and I cannot wait to experience it for myself in the future. And in the most recent news, Magic Band Plus has now launched at Walt Disney World Resort. The band lights up with LED effects and gives haptic feedback. It buzzes and lights up along with Disney's nighttime spectaculars, gives you the ability to be a bounty hunter in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, and allows you to interact with the Fab 50 statues scattered around the parks. The bands are not required on a Walt Disney World visit, with the original Magic Band still being sold, but is an upgrade for those who would want it. Now that's it for news today. Now, on to our main segment. Hello everyone and welcome back to the show. Today we'll be reviewing a film I very much enjoy and with its sequel coming out later this year, I thought it would be relevant to discuss today. You may know it as one of the highest grossing films in history, its themed land at Disney's Animal Kingdom, Walt Disney World, or maybe for its award-winning visual effects. But regardless, Avatar is a masterpiece and a milestone in filmmaking. Today to discuss this movie with me is Jonathan Hayes, back again on the show. Hey. Hi, I'm back. <laughs> for a second time okay so starting uh, okay. off on a scale of one to ten how would you rate this movie it's a really good movie i gotta give it like 8.5 like light eight to decent nine okay if that makes sense i think light so, eight yeah. to decent nine yeah so yeah that's um so like you liked it but like it yeah. wasn't like the best movie you've ever seen like I, yeah yeah I get that. okay so what would you say is your favorite thing about this movie? I mean, oh wait, before I do that, I'm going to rate it. I thought it was I'm going to give it like 9.5. Like it had like that little tiny bit where it could have been better like anything. Like I wouldn't give yeah. anything a 10 out of 10. But um I think it was the closest you can get to 10 out of 10 probably. Yeah. Or one of the closest. Agreed. So what was, you think, was, like, your favorite thing about the movie in terms of story, plot, effects, like, whatever? Probably, like, the visuals, like, effects. Yeah, I mean, the visual Because, like, I'm a big cinematography guy. Like, the way the camera is and the way they execute it in filmmaking. Yeah. I think I, I love it. And it's, it's gorgeous. This entire yeah. film, like, I mean, for 2008 to have visual effects comparable to Avengers Endgame, like, that's... Yeah. That's insane. Indeed. Because you go look at other movies from 2008 and it's like terrible. Like you just cringe watching it the entire time. It's like PS1 it's, graphics. Like it's just bad. Low quality and stuff. It's just bad. Yeah. yeah. It really, it's, 
all of them are like video game <laughs> graphics for every movie and then you watch this and you're like wow like watching gamecube like a mario kart on GameCube <laughs> or something like yeah um <laughs> so uh, we just kind of covered this but your thoughts on the visual effects were like just you agree with the common consistency that they were just kind of over the moon they were really really good yeah they were really really good yeah um, this is something that I didn't, I, I mean, I kind of realized it the first time I watched it around, but I never really, I didn't really pick up on it much, but later I figured out this is actually filmmakers reference that they did for this. But did you recognize the parallels between Native Amer- the Native Americans and the Navi in this movie? Yes. Yeah. I did see the parallel. I mean, as well, as well as the parallels in the same breath to america invading pandora like english and spanish invaded north america yeah history yeah yeah history i love invading countries (laughs) the average patriot (laughs) i love invading i love invading countries and taking land (laughs) (laughs) um so who do you think was your favorite character in this film Mm. i don't know man favorite um, character yeah probably just the main dude just i like sigourney weaver's character the grace whatever her last name was yeah i just like the main dude because he was just he just was kind of cool when he was in Ava, in the avatar he looked sick yeah i would like i really like sigourney weaver's character she's kind of took no crap kind of yeah yes yeah, um, but now, kind of moving on from this movie for a second, have you seen the trailer for Avatar The Way of Water? I actually have not. You've not? Okay. I have not. Well, I was going to play it right now, share screen share, and we could um, watch it together here on the show and then kind of break it down for people. Okay. Um, okay. So I am going to get that set up right now. Can you see it, Jonathan? I can see it. Indeed, the visuals look even better. I mean, yeah, they do. I really hope they have gone all out in visuals. Yeah, they're definitely, they're definitely really polished. Like, I just wish they even will go above and beyond what they did last time. Yeah, that'd be awesome. One thing about uh, Avatar, just in my opinion, like with just the franchise, is that. With the people that are, like are kind of natives, you know what I mean? Like they don't have any like suits or anything. They just kind of like they have a fanny pack or whatever you call that thing. Yeah. My mom pointed out when we first watched it how you could just like almost see their butt cheeks. And that was kind of weird. And I was like, I guess, but I mean that's I wasn't paying attention to that because that's not the first thing that I was <laughs> so I was like giggling at first because I was like, how did you why did you say something about it out of all people? <laughs> It's funny. Oh, that's sick. Bro rode a freaking whale. Oh, is what is that? Avatar, the way of water. What? December? Dang, we still gotta wait. Yes, but I'm surprised it was this year to be honest, because like they've been they've been theorizing that that was gonna happen, that they were gonna make that movie for like ever. Yeah, so I heard somebody say that they were it was gonna come out in like 2026. Yeah, no, that's the thing though. From what I understand, you know, I could be wrong, so don't take my word on this, but okay. they are 
I'm pretty sure they're going to make this one and then they're going to make two more. So there, of course, this is how Disney looks at this is that the first one makes like 60 bajillion dollars. So we got to do that again. <laughs> they say once they buy the company, yeah, we're going to go take this and try to turn it into a franchise like Star Wars, which yeah. I don't know if it's ever going to get that big, but I'm very excited to see the movies that they're going to put out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I agree. Yeah. But like also two more? Two more after this, two yeah. More. And they already have names. You'll have to Google it because I can't remember what the names for them are, but um, they're going to make two more. Avatar. But- fire um, <laughs> you know how an avatar the last airbender is kind of off the top of the way you know how like the seasons are divided in like elements it's like water fire earth i've never watched avatar the last you've airbender. never oh my gosh dude i know everybody says like Bro, oh my gosh it's so good every you it need is to watch so it. good i had a friend that was like obsessed with it it's fire yeah that's what but i've anyways, always heard about it continue sorry i didn't mean to interrupt with that <laughs> um but yeah, they're going to make, I'm pretty sure it's about like the different tribes or something. Yeah. But they're doing one that's like water. And then they're going to do the one where it's like the horses on the plains. And they're going to do another one. I'm not sure which one, but that's the horses. <laughs> Avatar, horse on a plane, <laughs> starring Samuel L. Jackson from Snakes <laughs> on a Plane. Avatar horses. Somebody on a plane. get all these, <laughs> all these horses off of this plane. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> what is the what horses on the plane? What are you talking about, bro? What? I'm googling it right now. There's no way. Okay, Avatar. No, but there's like the planes on Pandora, and there's like these weird six-legged horse things. They're oh, in the yeah, movie, yeah, yeah. but they're going to that 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 like tribe or something. Okay, there's Avatar the Tolkien Rider, which is coming out in 2026. And then there's Av- or, there's Avatar 3. It's just called Avatar 3, which well, is coming one of the, about in the horses on the planes. I'm sure about that because I saw something about it. No, they should name it like a Friends episode where it's like the one about the horses in the planes. <laughs> <laughs> Avatar, the one about the horses in the planes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just God. the weirdest crossover. Yeah. You just have Jennifer Aniston show up in the middle of Avatar just for no reason, just standing there. Hey guys, I'm Jennifer Aniston. It's Avatar in time. <laughs> it's Avatar in time. You remember when you said it's Avatar in time and he avatared all over? Wait, what did you say? You've never seen that meme where it's like in Morbius. He says it's morbid. Time oh, it's morbid Morb- time. Yeah. Yes, yeah, morbid time. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh. Morbius. That's another conversation for another day. But yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, in this movie, what I really hope is I hope they literally put like all They're kinds all of crazy money into these visual effects Yeah, because I want them to be better than what's the thing with the best visual effects in the last 10 years. That's a hard one. Probably. Um, you ever seen the boys? I have not seen the boys. I've heard great things about it though. It's very it's definitely we uh, yeah it's definitely i think you should wait a little bit because it kind of it's kind of dark but yeah it the visual effects in there are awesome um yeah. and i think it's it's a little gory and by a little i mean a lot <laughs> yeah by, it's not like excessive but there's times where it's like 
that's I mean it's realistic. Kind of yeah, it's realistic. Yeah. Like if superhero if superpowers were actually like superhuman strength, if it was actually inflicted on you, your head would freaking explode. Yeah, but, but it's yeah. it's not like, oh yeah, like we just captured this person and there's no blood, even though we literally shot you with fire. Yeah. Like, like there's this there's this one scene in like episode one where like somebody's head just blows up from like an explosive. And the visual effects look very realistic. And that's I think that's pretty that's like the top visual effect like thing. Yeah. Um, but I just want them to make this like the best visual effects we have seen since Avatar One, because yeah. that's what like people are gonna look for out of these movies, or at least I think so. And like they need to be that good. They re- right. it's, it's like it's a necessity, right? I feel they like. need to like uh pass the bar that they set with Avatar One. Is kind of what you're saying. Yes, but like that's yeah. the thing. Filmmaking has already passed that bar, so yeah. I don't want them to just stay on par, but I want them to go above what like Endgame yeah. did or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I see what you're um, but did you see like the human kid i wonder if that's i feel like that's their adopted son or daughter probably it might be they, they might touch on that a little bit more in the sequel maybe that's what yeah that's what i'm thinking of but like that human kid that was in there he was never in the first movie but i don't know where he would have come from because all the humans left at the end of the first movie so yeah that's true it could be like somebody i, I don't know i don't know that's I thought about this before, and this would be a weird plot for a movie, but just go with me here. Okay. Somehow, those two, like, no, what's her name? I think her name's Natari. Uh, um, I think her name's Natari. Yeah, I think you're right. Possibly. But um, her and Jake Sully have a kid, but since, like, he's an avatar and it's, like, matches his DNA, it turns out being a human kid somehow, and yeah. she wants to, like, transfer his energy into an avatar like they did in the last movie. <sighs> and just kill the actual kid oh my gosh no but that's what they did but like that's what they did like <laughs> yeah with his human body and then like i feel like that could be an interesting like rivalry between these two parents because they don't know what's best yeah for him to live wars. in the, the society of aliens um, <laughs> parent wars <laughs> avatar that's avatar, just, that's the third one wars. avatar parent wars <laughs> <laughs> it's like planet of the apes but it's parents at the end of the movie they divorce and one of them has to go live <laughs> on the planes <laughs> that leads into the fourth movie avatar horses on a plane horses on a plane yeah samuel jackson in there somebody get these freaking horses off this freaking plane oh my gosh, gosh bro. they disney should hire us for writing <laughs> yeah we we can oh. make like we can make Disney XD because you said yourself Disney XD is like Disney's is Disney's ideas. junk drawer yeah, yeah Disney's junk drawer and I that's why I love it yes I mean all of the stuff that they couldn't they're like this is gonna go on Disney Channel nope it can't go on Disney <laughs> nope. Channel so we're gonna put it on Disney XD um we could definitely write for yeah. Disney XD <laughs> um well i really really enjoyed avatar one i'm gonna love to see how they progress it in the future same um they have the land in um disney world takes place 80 90 years after um avatar one possibly but i really 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 would love to see them at least reference it yeah the fact of how humans got back to pandora and this new the idea is this new company has come in and is doing all this stuff to like um grow like the land or whatever um like yeah. rehabilitate it rehabilitate. but 
I would love to actually see them tie that into the canon of the film and like reference that organization. Maybe that's where that kid came from. I mean, we don't, we don't know, but yeah, I would really love to see them not directly reference Disney World, obviously, because that'd be weird, but acknowledge this new organization that that storyline set up. Right. Yeah. I agree. But is there anything else you want to, you would have to say about it, Jonathan? I think that especially after this movie, I think if they up the bar, like go over what they set with Avatar 1, what other people have set, if they go over that, then hopefully in the movie after this one, they're able to go over that. Like, it's that's what I'm hoping. just like haptic suits and VR. Like you're actually genuinely in the movie. Like they did, yeah, remember. they just shoot you in the movie. Just shoot you into the movie. No, there's actually like it's a real movie. It's just a documentary. <laughs> like they Avatar horse on the plane, then you are riding the horse <laughs> with, with Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> you are riding a horse. <laughs> Avatar horse on the planes with Jennifer Aniston. Avatar. Imagine Avatar opens and it's like in the Friends font. <laughs> I was gonna be this way. <laughs> oh my gosh! Awesome, but yeah, that's all. That's all I gotta say. Well, anyways, that's it for today. I'm. That was not much Avatar conversation, but it um, was still fun. It was still fun. Thank um, you for having me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, I hope y'all enjoyed. Um, and now, on with the rest of the show. Bye. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. If you remember, this is the part of the show where we consistently review a TV series. This week, we are going to take a break from that, though, so I can restructure this segment. Previously, I had been reviewing Marvel Studios' WandaVision, which I adore. But now we are going to diverge from that a bit, and we will be focusing on current shows from Marvel and Star Wars on Disney+. With launches of Andor and She-Hulk later this month, this routine will truly begin to take shape. But until then, we'll be focusing on other things I enjoy, and we'll have one episode with Adia, who I did our Multiverse of Madness bonus episode with, for the Miss Marvel series that just recently wrapped airing on Disney+. I promise the TV reviews will be back soon. Now, for this segment today, I previously recorded this while I was traveling and didn't bring my mic for fear of it getting damaged, so this was recorded off of my iPhone. The reason I say all that is the audio quality may be a little bit less than usual. Okay, enjoy. Hello everyone and welcome back to the show. Today in this segment we have something a little different than usual. For years I have seen ads and reviews for this business called Magic Candle Company. The whole idea behind it is they make candles that are supposed to smell like different places around Disney Resort destinations, including Walt Disney World, the Cruise Line, and more. They also have one universal candle, I think. But anyways, I finally bought three candles and decided I wanted to give you my reactions on the show. I also wanted a second opinion, though, from someone who isn't a super Disney Parks fan like I am. Preferably someone who isn't super familiar with the parks at all, just so I can get a idea on just the raw scent of the candles. So now, to, I'm going to welcome to the show my second opinion, my grandmother, Teresa Saunders. Welcome. Hi. Um, okay, so before we start, quick disclaimer, I am not sponsored by Magic Candle Company in any way. 
So if I give a good review, you can believe it's my true unbiased opinion. Okay, so let's get started. I'm going to open up the box of the candles. I haven't even opened it yet. The first one we'll try is the Flight of Passage candle, um, Banshee Flight. Here it is. Okay, so first I'll go as um, a bigger fan of Parks and see if it smells like what I think it smells like. Oh my gosh, that's almost identical. That's crazy. That's awesome. That that really, that's great. Um, yeah, it, it smells like when you're flying over the ocean in Flight of Passage, it, one of my favorite smells in all of Disney. That's great. I'll see, let um, her smell it now. See what she thinks of it. I think it smells really good, but I don't, it's a soft smell. Um, yeah. It's not very strong. It's a soothing smell. Yeah. Um, I like it, but it doesn't make me think of anything. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Gotcha. So I would say I give this candle um, probably like a, a 9 out of 10. It's almost exactly, but there's still that one little bit that you can't replicate just because we're not in Disney World. So I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. What would you be, What would your rating be of it? Just for the fact that I really think it smells good, I would probably give it a, an 8 out of 10. Okay, gotcha. Cool. Okay, so our second candle is one that I think I'm really going to like, and she isn't because it smells like bromine. Bromine is the chemical that they put in the water on rides like Splash Mountain, Pirates of the Caribbean, to keep it, um, it doesn't irritate your skin, and it keeps the water clean. So, um, a lot of people find that scent super nostalgic because it reminds them of, um, going on Splash and Pirates and attractions like that. But, let's, Splash is our next candle. Okay, I'll go first. I really like that. I think it, you see, like, some of these scents, I can't even really remember until I try to, um, until I smell these candles, and then it starts coming back, and I start remembering all of it again, and that really is the point, but ugh, I really like that. That's really, really great. I don't think she'll like it as much because it smells like a chemical to keep water clean, but it brings nostalgia to me. So I'll let her try it now. All right. No, I don't like this as much. It makes me think of a cleaning supplies. It does make you think of cleaning supplies? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does. It's got an earthy smell. Okay, I don't gotcha. enjoy the scent of this as much as I did the other one. Yeah. Okay, so that was our second candle. I would give it a, um, I haven't smelled that scent in enough time for me to go and give you like 100%. It smells exactly like it because I can't really, I can't give that to you for sure. What I can say though is I think that is definitely an 8 out of 10. It's probably might be close to exact, nearly as close to exact as um the Flight of Passage one, but I really can't give a exact representation yet because I haven't been to the parks in a while. You sometimes kind of forget some of those scents. 
But what would you give it? I would probably give that one a five. A five? Yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Moving on to our very last candle. I think this one she'll like the most. I haven't been on Soren in a while, so this one may be kind of hard to um, remember. But this is Flying Over Orange Groves um, from Soren in California. Um, I'm not sure if they have this scent in um, Florida Soren. I can't really remember. I think they do, though. Um, but I'm not really sure. So I will go first and give my thoughts on it. Mm. I don't know if it smells exactly like the ride because I can't remember the smell from the ride, but this is simply just a really great smell. Like, this is a very good summer smell. It's summertime when I'm recording this. I don't know when you're listening to it, but it is, it's a really great smell just for, just period. Um, yeah. Yeah, I really like that. It makes me want a fruity drink. <laughs> okay. Orange. Yeah, I like that too. That's really a clean, citrusy smell. Yeah. I just like it. I think it smells fresh. Yes. I, I, I really like that one, too. Yeah. I like it a lot. Same with Splash. It takes me a while to remember these scents in terms of, um, like, since I haven't been to these places in a while. I've been to Soren with the Orange Grove scene um, in, uh, um, like, a more, a less of amount of time than, went, than since I went on... Um, Splash Mountain or Pirates. But in terms of just the scent being a great scent, I still have to give it a 9 out of 10. Because um, I bet it's pretty accurate, and I just think it smells really great. What would you give it? I would agree with you. I would give it a 9 out of 10. I like it a lot. Okay. Um. Well, I think... Whoa, I almost dropped my candle. One more thing. Um. I think we should go through... And in terms of smelling all three of these candles, which are, um, if you want to go buy them yourself, Flying Over Orange Groves, Splash, and Banshee Flight, what would you rate them from 1 to 10? I mean, not, not from 1 to 10. From, um, we already did that. From, like, in I terms can, of best to least. Okay. I would say um, the, the best would be the um, Orange Groves. Orange Groves. Yes. Okay. Next, I like the banshee, banshee flight. flight and last of all splash. splash i think the way i would rate these and that's really hard because um splash and flying over orange groves are pretty equal in my mind i thought um banshee flight was really great um that's really difficult but i think maybe i would rate it as um best banshee flight second best flying over orange groves third best splash but to be honest, I I I absolutely loved all of them. I thought they were, I thought they were great. I'm I definitely think Magic Candle Company lives up to all the hype it gets. I think they do a very very great job at what they do. Um, if you want to buy these candles yourself, um, as I said, I'm not sponsored, but I'm just giving you. I really think it's a great product, so I'm going to give you the information to get it yourself. You can go to magiccandlecompany.com. Just Google Magic Candle Company and the website will come up. And they have all kinds of scents. They have a whole bunch of different Main Street scents. Uh, they have a Mind Train, a Tower of Terror. Um, they have all kinds of great stuff. And I'm sure I'll be getting more in the future. Um, but in in your opinion, not being a huge fan of the parks, did you like these scents like, completely? 
Did you think these were good candles by themselves? Yeah, I would absolutely use them in my house. Yeah. Okay, well then, um, once again, one last time, the scents were Flying Over Orange Groves, Splash, and Banshee Flight. You can get them at magiccandlecompany.com. Um, thank you for coming on the show with me. Thank you for having me. Okay. Um, see y'all next time. Bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Infinity and Beyond's second Disney theory. Okay, so if you remember, in my last theory, I spoke about Calypso, a sea goddess introduced in the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. In that conversation, I said this. Because even gods die in some way. In this universe. And that was a very important point my theory hinged on. I personally think the Pirates of the Caribbean films are some of the only live-action Disney films that tie directly into the Disney-connected universe. Yes, I think there is a Disney-connected universe, and I think you will too as I continue to write these theories. But I felt after claiming that gods die in the Disney animated canon, I needed to explain myself. And I'm even going to be go beyond that and explain to you how I think gods work in this Disney-connected universe through a multiple-part series of theories. But before I start with this first theory, let me define what I think a god in Disney lore is. A being with magical power that far exceeds anything an average being is capable of that can deeply affect or change portions of basic reality. Okay, starting off with this theory, let's tackle the fact that I believe gods die in the Disney animated universe. My first point supporting this being that being the difference in Zeus between his appearances in Disney films. The first time we encounter Zeus in Disney animated media is in 1940s Fantasia. In the film, he features in the segment titled The Pastoral Symphony that takes place in mythological Greece. Towards the end of the piece, the mythical creatures of the land gather for a festival. The festivities go unbothered until extremely quickly the sky goes dark and rain begins to pour upon the land. The clouds part to reveal an ominous figure looming overhead in the black sky and pouring rain, and then out of nowhere, Zeus abruptly thrusts himself into view from the clouds, taking pleasure out of the sheer terror of the creatures below, and then after this he proceeds to take lightning bolts and hurl them to the ground, purposefully torturing those on land. Zeus pelts down his lightning as the creatures attempt to, attempt to escape in the terribly ranging storm. Terror strikes every creature as they run to escape the hurricane overhead, and in the midst of this, Zeus laughs. He takes pleasure in their pain. This is a hard term from the Zeus we meet in 1997's Hercules. In this Zeus, is a kind, loving, charismatic dad, nearly the complete opposite of Fantasia Zeus. Not to mention, they have a completely different artistic designs. Fantasia Zeus is a mix of light and dark blue, while Hercules is a tan orange. Why are these iterations so different? I believe, in story, these are two different beings altogether, possibly a father and son. Now, before you shut me down on this one, just listen. There's another time in Disney canon where this happened as well, and this time there is more direct proof. In Hercules, we see, we briefly see Poseidon at Hercules' dedication. Poseidon is the Greek god of the sea, who has a son in Greek mythology, you guessed it, named Triton, and the little mermaid who rules over the ocean, but Ariel's father, King Triton. And both Hercules and the little mermaid, both Poseidon and Triton carry a trident. These tritons look slightly different, but we can't be that nitpicky. From its usage in The Little Mermaid, this triton is the object 
that gives the wielder express powers over the oceans. So if Poseidon has it here, and Triton has it in The Little Mermaid, the role of king over the ocean had to have changed at hands at some point. Why would this role have changed? Well, I think this change took place because of the death of Poseidon. If the gods don't age nor die, what would be the point of passing the torch? Now going back to Zeus for a moment. Backing that idea, I have more proof. At the end of Hercules, Hades releases the Titans. Upon their release, Hades is confident in the fact that they are capable of destroying Zeus. This means it is possible for a god to die or be killed. There are weaknesses in the gods. Still don't believe me? Okay, here you go. More proof. In the Fantasia segment, The Rite of Spring, we see the formation of Earth through the extinction of the dinosaurs. At the beginning of Hercules, we hear the muses telling the story of when Zeus locked away the Titans. In this story, they explain, Chaos reigned and earthquakes and volcanoes never slept. This description fits the world depicted in the Rite of Spring like a glove. The very beginning of the short depicts volcanoes as far as the eye can see, with molten lava crashing into the ocean. Then later, during the extinction of the dinosaurs, earthquakes tear apart the earth. And even before that, in the volcano-ridden world, the ground is engaged in upheaval at the erupting of multiple volcanoes. The volcanoes were causing earthquakes themselves. Not to mention, they also say this happened back when the world was new. The Rite of Spring shows the beginnings of Earth. In the Muses' story, this is the world in which Zeus locked away the Titans. If that event was towards the beginning of the world, this time period would be millions of years separated from the events of Hercules. The Muses reinforce this themselves by saying, Our story actually begins long before Hercules, many eons ago. This is enough time, I believe, for the original Zeus to pass on. However, God does so. Need more proof? Okay. Later in Fantasia, during the pastoral symphony I talked about earlier, we see an ancient Greece predominantly uninhabited by human life. In the piece, we see what seems to be Mount Olympus with no farmland or city below, while it is depicted in Hercules with these features. This puts Fantasia's Greece long before Hercules's, hundreds if not a couple thousand years before, given we are still in an uninhabited Greece by humans. It is still a large enough gap for the torch to pass. In Hercules, we hear the Muses and others say Zeus locked away the Titans, but not that it was the Zeus from the film. In fact, the Muses nor no one else in the film ever, ever directly acknowledges it was this Zeus that locked away the Titans, all except the Titans themselves, who wouldn't know it was a different Zeus, given they had been locked away under the Earth for millions of years. And once they were released, I don't really think they were thinking much about the fact Zeus looked a little different. It was still a Zeus. You can't judge a book by its cover, but the giant elemental beasts don't really seem intelligent. They were meant to destroy, and they were destroying. They were doing the same thing they had been doing millions of years ago. And in the words of the muses, back then they... Ran amok. Now here's one of the most important parts of this theory. How exactly does a god die or be killed? Well, in Hercules, Hades asked this very question. The thing I failed to mention in this theory is so far is that the gods are immortal. It's an indisputable fact. But as we see in Hercules, it is possible to turn a god mortal, as Hades does so, successfully. My question is what factors can strip a god of its immortality? Well, I think there are four options. Option one would be, in the film, 
Zeus tells Hercules the only way he can reclaim his godship is by proving himself a true hero on Earth. What if this applies also to the opposite? If you prove yourself not a true hero, if you are clearly selfish, hot-tempered, malicious, unhonest, and take pleasure out of others' harm, that makes you unfit to rule as a god. What if gods like this are stripped of their immortality because of proving themselves opposite of the god's criteria? Do these previously mentioned traits sound familiar? That's because they describe Hades almost perfectly. But that's a theory for another day. Option 2. You fall in love with someone mortal. Hercules falls in love with Meg and in turn must give up his immortality. I think this is what happened in Poseidon's case, given Triton is mortal. The third option, a physical potion or spell, as we see Hades used to strip Hercules of his immortality. The fourth and final option is brute, is brute force. I'm not saying a knife or a boulder or a hard blow to the head can kill a god. I'm talking about the absolute most powerful forces in the Disney universe. Such as, for example, the Titans. As I mentioned earlier, Hades was confident in the fact the Titans would destroy Zeus, meaning it is possible to kill a god with an extremely powerful force. Which one of these was the original Zeus's downfall? I think it was the first option. He was proven unworthy. Yes, he did lock away the Titans, but after that, what other good did he do? The only representation we see of him, besides the story of the Titans, is Pastoral Symphony, and it is said by the Muses, So if he defeated the Titans when he was young, and Pastoral Symphony is thousands of years later, what he did for the rest of his life after the Titans was abuse his power and torture the people of Earth he was meant to protect for fun. He used his position to terrify the world and fill it with his storms. This seems like grounds to me for him to be stripped of his power and die mortal. His title being passed on to his son. So that is my first theory in my series explaining gods and Disney lore. I hope you enjoyed, and next time I'll be back with a new one. I think I've got some good stuff up my sleeve for the future, so see you next time, and on to the end of the episode. Bye! So that's it for today's episode. As always, I hope you enjoyed, and don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Moving forward, I hope to get one of these out every other week, so stay tuned, and thank you all for listening. I'll see you next time. Have a magical day and a great big beautiful tomorrow. To infinity and beyond.